Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> we will get there in just a moment. 1 John chapter 2. I'll add my welcome. It's good to see everyone here this morning. It's good to see some faces back we hadn't seen in a while. Uh, it's so good that we can gather here together on this four, first day of the week and worship our God. This is truly the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Wonderful, wonderful day. There's a term in Scripture, Antichrist. And that's one of those uh, terms about which there's much confusion. This morning I'd like to discuss the simple teaching that the Bible has about this term. And hopefully we can clear up some misconceptions about it. And get a little bit clearer picture in our mind about this term, Antichrist. Now, I don't want to imply or mean to imply that this is not a serious subject. I don't want to be dismissive about it. Because, indeed, it is a very important subject. And it's important for us to understand all we can about what the Apostle John is talking about when he talks about Antichrist. The first century churches were already experiencing an assault. And the New Testament writers are writing to them and, and warning them about these assaults that are, that are coming and indeed have already appeared. Those faithful to Judaism are reluctant to transition into Christianity and they're doing everything they can to stop the spread of Christianity. The political forces, they, they see their power being diminished by this King Jesus and the gospel is going out, so they're doing their best to silence the disciples of Christ. And even among so-called brethren, there are some that are seeking to undermine the gospel. And that's what the Apostle John is warning about when he describes those who are attempting to undermine the gospel, those who have come out from among the brethren. And he calls them antichrists in his first and second epistles. So let's begin by looking at some of the misconceptions about Antichrist. For one, there's a misconception that Antichrist is a single person. There's also a misconception that Antichrist is a character in prophecy, that is, that, that he is yet to come, that he is yet to appear, he's yet to enter the world. There's another misconception that Antichrist is, is a fallen angel or, or an evil spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about that evil spirit. There's some of that in what we're talking about here. But he's not this character, this fallen angel. There's also a misconception that, that, that Antichrist marks the end of time, that he is set up for a great battle that's going to take place with, with Jesus at the end of time. Some misconstrue John's uh, words there in Revelation about the battles that take place and want to mix in this idea of Antichrist with that. So those are some of the misconceptions, and there's others. I found this as I was doing some of my research. This, is, uh, this painting is called Sermon and Deeds of the Antichrist, painted by Signorelli, Luca Signorelli, around 1500. And I, there's a lot going on in this painting, so I don't, 
expect you to get everything all at once. But in this depiction are some of the things that we just talked about, some of the misconceptions that we just talked about, and here they're depicted. There's the idea of a, of a fallen angel that's depicted there. There's, see what's going on here, there's uh, brutality that's going on. You can see all throughout here, this brutality that's being displayed. Um, these uh, dark figures that are gathered around, uh, I guess would be a cathedral here, depicting the, um, the spirit, these evil spirits that are lurking around, uh, tied to Antichrist. There's one here that's up on a pedestal, um, signifying speaking in the public, public square, and it's probably hard for you to see, but there's a, a devilish figure standing right behind him, whispering in his ear. So this embodies a lot of the misconceptions about Antichrist. So this is, helps to fuel the, the erroneous um, uh, doctrine that's gone forth about Antichrist. So we want to try to clear some of that up this morning. So let's talk about the reality of Antichrist as opposed to the misconception. First of all, understand that Antichrist is not a single person. There's not one character that is the Antichrist. Also understand that Antichrist has already come into the world. And we're going to see that very clearly from Scripture. And this idea about Antichrist being a fallen angel, or evil spirit, Antichrist is of evil. Don't misunderstand. And he's acting, or Antichrist is acting through men. And also understand that instead of marking the end of time, Antichrist exemplifies the falling away from the faith. Not some character in a battle or some uh, marking of the end of time. It's simply the falling away from the faith. So let's define some, a few things here as we go forward. First of all, the prefix anti. And we, we talked about this when we were studying anti-types. The prefix anti simply means opposite of in this broadest definition. It just means the opposite of, and we understand that. Um, in a little narrower definition, it just means against. And we understand that as well. Something is against or the opposite of, it can be called the anti. So that's simply what the prefix anti means. So the term antichrist, if you were to go and type this in and do a Google search or whatever you might, your favorite browser might be, some of the definitions that are going to pop up are something along these lines. In some Christian teachings, a personal opponent of Christ expected to appear before the end of the world. Now you see in that definition that there's some misconception about antichrist that's written into that definition. Also, the battle between Christ and the Antichrist. This is kind of uh, explaining that, that definition there uh, before it. And that's really not what this is, what John is talking about when he talks about Antichrist. Also, a first person or force seen as opposing Christ or the Christian church. Now, this is a little bit closer to a, a better definition. Um, but understand, again, this singularity of person is not right. And this force... Uh, in the terms that is being defined here is not right either. From the Greek word here, the uh, transliterated word, and, and transliterated means there's a Greek word that has been Englishized, <laughs> if you will. 
Uh, a lot of us have a hard time seeing the Greek and, uh, and pronouncing it, so there's a transliterated word. And the transliterated word is antichristos from the Greek word. And the, the simple definition of that is the adversary of the Messiah. And that's from Strong's definition there. This is closer to what we are talking about, opposed to, in opposition to Jesus Christ. That helps us to understand what Antichrist is in its most simple definition. We can't talk about Antichrist without understanding a, a very little tiny bit about Gnosticism, and I don't want to go too far off into this. This is its own separate study, but I did want to mention it here because this is what John is addressing when he's writing these epistles, this idea, this Gnosticism. And what Gnosticism is, is a religious and philosophical doctrine mixing Christianity with Jewish and Oriental doctrine, pretending intuitive and mysterious knowledge of divine matters. And where this Gnosticism comes from is the Greek word gnosis, which means this idea of a hidden knowledge or secret knowledge. So this is where this sect comes from, these Gnostics who believe they know something more than everybody else does. And these, this started to arise in the early church and had to be addressed, and this is what John is addressing. Some Gnostic sects denied uh, the deity of Jesus, while others denied his humanity, which I think is interesting. Those are polar opposites, but they all fall under this, uh, this religious doctrine of Gnosticism, and there are all sorts of different sects within that. John and the other New Testament writers uh, address this erroneous doctrine that was already plaguing the first century church. So a lot of what they are addressing, the, the, the ideas that are being introduced into the church, are coming from this ideal of Gnosticism. And so John is having to address this, and this is what we see in his writings. And this is where we get to our term Antichrist. This is what John refers to these as, and there's others as well. But this term of antichrist, those who are opposed to our Lord Jesus Christ. The word antichrist, it appears five times in four different scriptures in the Bible, four different verses. And they're all in John's writing. We see it twice here in 1 John 2 and verse 18. There's antichrist. And he gives us the plural of antichrists, which helps us to understand that it's not one person. Here's the other scriptures that, that John mentions this word, Antichrist. And this is the only place where this word appears in scripture, is the writings of the Apostle John. So we're going to come back and talk about these in a little bit more detail. But this is where this word appears. So then, what is Antichrist? What, what is it that we're talking about here? What is John... Um, defining here when he talks about Antichrist. Well, first let's understand that Antichrist is a denier of God and Jesus. If you're there in 1 John, look in verse 22. 1 John 2, verse 22. It says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. Remember, as we were de uh, defining the, the Gnostics, 
some of the things that they were saying was that Jesus wasn't God. And there's all manner of which they try to explain that away. But they were teaching, the, the, the crux of their teaching was that Jesus is not God. And what does John say here? These are those who are lying. These are those who are denying God and Jesus. To deny Christ is to deny God. There's a connection here. Uh, of course we know. And if we deny Christ, we're denying God. Some of what we've talked about this morning already speaks to that. In Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, a familiar passage here to us, but it connects so very uh, nicely with what we're talking about here. Because Jesus made it very clear about what it meant to deny Christ. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But look what he says there in verse 33. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. The idea of denying who Jesus Christ is, is risky business. Because on this confession, and on this understanding of who Jesus Christ is, lies our faith. If we don't believe who Jesus Christ is, our faith is worthless. So to deny Christ is to deny God, and then is to deny our salvation. We only have salvation through Jesus Christ. These brethren already knew this truth. Look back there in verse 21 of 1 John 2. It says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So John is writing here, he's, he's confirming what they already know. That they know the gospel, they know the truth, they know who Jesus Christ is. And so those who come along and deny who he is ought to be suspect. And they've known this from the beginning. If you look down there in verse 24, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. There again is that connection between Jesus Christ and the Father. Without one, you don't get the other. If you're not abiding in God, you're not abiding in Jesus Christ. If you're not abiding in Jesus Christ, you're not abiding in God. And there's the connection. And these brethren already knew that. He's writing to reaffirm that. These antichrists were trying to turn them away from this simple teaching by denying the humanity or the deity of Christ. Remember, we talked about how the Gnostics, some of them said that he wasn't man, some said he wasn't God. But either way, they're denying who he was. His humanity is as important as his deity. We talked about that in our study of Hebrews, about him being that uh, high priest and able to identify with those who he serves. So these antichrists were trying to, to pull them away by denying who Jesus Christ was. The antichrist is also a deceiver. If you're there, uh, Turn over a couple pages to John's second epistle in 2 John. 2 John verse 7. It says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not know, uh, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. 
This helps us further understand who exactly Antichrist is. He's a deceiver. Jesus warns of false prophets. In Matthew 24 and verse 24, look at this language. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. This points to the danger in what we're talking about here. This isn't just some, um, pardon the phrase, fly-by-night division, erroneous doctrine that's, that's come along, there are people that are losing their faith because of what these men are teaching. And Jesus warns about that. He says false Christs and false prophets will come along. These were those who were trying to lead them astray from the apostles' teachings. We read there over in, in 1 John 2 that they've known these things from the beginning. You've been taught these things. But yet they're still in danger. John spends a pretty good amount of time here writing to them and telling them that there's danger in those who are trying to lead them astray. In uh, verse 8 there back in, in 2 John, this is John's warning about this. He says, watch yourselves that you might not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. He's saying, look, we've, we've come this far. We've accomplished this. We've come out of the world and under the, under the law of Christ. Watch yourselves that you don't lose that because there's danger lurking there. We've made this point. Let's reinforce it. That Antichrist has already come into the world. If you look back, um, what we just read there in, in 2 John 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. Notice the verb tense there, have gone out. They have already gone out into the world. Back over in 1 John, verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, Children, it is, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From that we know that this is the last hour. John is telling them the Antichrist has already gone out. You've heard about it, which is an interesting what he said here. You've heard about this coming. Possibly he's referring to what Jesus said there about these false prophets coming. Maybe a little bit more of specific that we don't, aren't privy to about the communications that are going. But for whatever is meant here, John is saying that you know that these Antichrists are coming. And he says they're already here. This idea of the last hour, we recognize when we hear terms like that, last hour, we think about last days and understanding what the Hebrew writer says there in Hebrew 1 about in these last days, God has spoken through his son. These are the last writings. This is God's final message, God's final message through his son. So the things that are writing, that are being written here, this is God's final message, and he's telling them to beware of these who seek to pervert the gospel and deceive you and to lead you astray. And finally, here in our points, maybe perhaps the saddest of all, is that Antichrist are those who came from among the brethren. Back in first, uh, pardon me, 2 John 2, Read verse 19 with me, 2 John 2 and verse 19. 
speaking of Antichrist here, it says, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they are not all of us. These have come out from the brethren, but not really. And understanding is John is saying that, yes, they were once followers, but they weren't true followers. Because if they were true followers, they'd still be with us. Look back over in uh, chapter 1 of 1 John. Verses 5 and 6, 1 John 1, verses 5 and 6. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness of all. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If they were indeed practicing the truth, they'd still be in fellowship with these. But since they're not practicing the truth, they are no longer in fellowship. These antichrists, these who are trying to deceive and to pervert the gospel and lead those astray. Paul warns of, of these kind of men also. Look with me over in Acts chapter 20. Very similar language, very similar warning. Helps us to understand, hopefully a little more, about the kind of people that Paul is talking about here to the Ephesian elders. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 28. It says, be on guard for yourselves. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? John warning them about being on guard. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Paul has a very similar warning here about the wolves and, and sheep's clothing. Notice where they come from. From among your own selves men will arise. That's the dire warning. That's the warning that should ring through to us. And this is not just localized and not just memorialized in these, in these pages. This is something that we deal with now. Men from among us who, for whatever reason, seek to deceive, who are liars, who try to persuade men down the wrong path. And this goes to our final points here about Antichrist, and that is, are we still in danger from Antichrist? And the simple answer is, of course, yes, we are. We are in danger from those who seek to who uh, lead us away, those who lie about the gospel. There's danger in those people. And you know, it's, it, it's been said, and we talk about it in our Bible classes, about those who are just off just a little bit, and how dangerous that can be. Because that can lead to being off just a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. Those who lie about the gospel, those need to be marked. They need to be watched. You need to make sure that the gospel is being kept pure. Anyone who denies Jesus or God, 
there's any kind of denial in what they're teaching about who Jesus Christ is. If there's a denial about, well, he didn't really come in the flesh, he was just an apparition, or, or he wasn't really God, he was just a, a very good man. Those people are against Christ. Anyone who practices deception to lead others away, those who come out from among us and destroy the flock, not sparing the flock, scattering them. Those are antichrists. Those are people who are against Jesus Christ. So then it comes down to what, what, what can we do? Are we helpless against them? Of course we are not. We have plenty of uh, things to make war with, for lack of a more graceful term. God has provided us with the armor that we need. The defensive armor and the offensive armor. The shield of faith, the word of God is the sword. He's given us those things. And we can defend ourselves against this and any other threats that come our way through his word. But we have to be on guard. John said it. Paul's saying it here to the Ephesian elders. You got to be on guard. You got to be watching. That's why the term shepherd is used. The shepherd watches after the flock. The shepherd protects the flock. He's on guard. He's watching for these wolves. And we have to do the same. We have to test the spirits. Look back over in 1 John. Go to chapter 4 with me in 1 John. <clears throat> Remember what we said about why, why John is writing to these. He's warning them about those who are seeking to destroy them, seeking to deceive them, telling them things that are against the gospel. So look what he says here in 1 John 4, beginning of verse 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now notice, have gone out into the world. They're already in the world when John is writing this. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Let me read that again. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Testing the spirits. If there are those who come and deny who Jesus Christ is, what does John say? He says they're of the world. They're not from us. They're not teaching what the, the apostles were teaching. The apostles were teaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Jesus Christ the man, Jesus Christ God in the flesh. Those who deny that are of the world. And we need to be on guard against those. We need to be on guard against lots of things in this world. Antichrist is one of those things. Anything that is against the teaching of our Lord, who is against his very nature, that's Antichrist. And we need to be on guard against them. And make sure we keep the church pure. And make sure we keep the gospel pure. And not let it be perverted in our Bible classes, in our sermons, in our conversations with one another. If you're not a child of God, I would beg of you to become one. There are lots of things in this world that we have to deal with. We just talked about some very negative things. There's trouble in this world. But overcoming that trouble is much easier if you're on the side of God. If he is for us, who can be against us? He's given us all that we need to defend against Antichrist, to defend against the devil himself. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. As a child of God, you have the tools at your disposal to defend these things off. If as a child of God you're not living a faithful life, you're not living a life that God would have you to live, putting him first in all things, I beg of you to make that right as well while you have opportunity, while the day is still today. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing.